this week's parsha is parsha's lachlacha. The Torah says in Parak Yud Beis Pasuk Hey, Vayikach Avram es Sarai Ishtai. Avram took Sarah his wife. There's light ben Achiv, light his nephew. There's kol rechushem asher rachashu. And all of the money that they had, all of the wealth that they acquired, and all of the souls that they had created in Haran, and they left. That's where they, uh, they went from Haran, and they traveled to Eretz Canaan. So the Torah is basically giving a list, an inventory of what Avram Avinu took with him on his sojourn, on his travels from Haran to Canaan. And most of the things that are on that list would be expected. He took his wife, that's always an important thing to do. Uh, he took his nephew, he took his money, and he took the nefesh asher asu b'charon, which is unclear what that means. He took the soul that he had made in Haran. So Rashi, of course, comments, this is talking about Avram Avinu created souls by bringing them under he brought them under the Rabbeinu Shalom's canopy what was that? who were these souls? Avram Avram Avinu was the men and Sarah for her part she was being Megayer the women. And the Torah considers this as if they actually created the gerim that they made. They created souls. How do you create a soul? The Medrash says, in fact, over here, how does a human being create a soul? A human being can't even make a, 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 a mosquito. Give all the laboratories and all the scientists in the world all the apparatus, they will not be able to create a mosquito. So how are they making a nefesh? How are they going and creating a human life? Very easy. They convert people by being Megayer, the men and the women, and bringing them tachastan the Torah making it out as if they made them. Okay, so now we go back to our list, and we have another thing that we understand. So Avram took Sarah, he took his nephew Light, he took the money, and he took the Gerim, all with him to Eretz Canaan. Now, when we speak about being Mekarev people, when we speak about being Megayer people, I should say, so we often think about this as, it's a nice cure of activity that Avram and Sarah were engaged in, and they were bringing monotheism to the world, and like the Rambam says, Avram Avino went around, and he basically taught to people that were Zara all about the fact that there's a Rabbi Shalom in the world and that all of the powers of the Rabbi Shalom, the Rabbi Shalom is a barrier manig. And he went and he brought Tachas Kam not a few people. It was the Ram Yuzalashan Alafim Baribavais. There was thousands and ten thousands of lives that Avram Avinu actually changed and molded through this outreach. 
But we look at it as outreach. We don't look at it as anything more than that. It's, uh, it was very nice. It was nice of Avram and Sarah to do hero to bring people to their table, to have their eshel, and that was the activity that they were engaged in, and that's how we sort of, or at least I always had, like, categorized it. It's together, kirov, it's geros, it's nice. But I think it's really a lot more than that. What Avram Avinu was really doing in this pasuk was creating the world's first yeshiva. Now I know that there was also yeshiva Shem Ve'ever, and we've discussed that in previous years, exactly what that yeshiva was all about. But when I'm speaking about a yeshiva today, I'm speaking about a Tyradika yeshiva. I'm not talking about a yeshiva that teaches about Golos, which is how Rabbi Kamenetsky understands what they were learning about all day in Yeshiva Shem Ve'ever. This is a Tyradika institution. Avram Avinu here, when we speak about the Nefesh Asher Asa Bukharan, Avram Avinu created a yeshiva in which Tyre was being taught. It wasn't just Sam Kirov, it wasn't Sam Geras, this was a real yeshiva that he had. Avram Avinu had his Talmidim, sorry, Mena had her base Yaakov, she was teaching Talmidos, but this was a yeshiva. This was Tyre. This isn't just Sam you know, some nice uh, proselytizing. What's my raya that this is the first yeshiva, this is a tairadika makum taira that was being created in Kharan? Well, there's a Gemara in Abedazara, Daftesa Medalev. And the Gemara there says, Tana Devel Yahu, Sheishes Alfei Shnin Havi Alma. This world is a span of 6,000 years. This whole world is 6,000 years from beginning to end. That's how long the, uh, the shelf life of planet Earth is. And we break it up into three trimesters. The first 2,000 years, says the Gemara, Shneafi Tayu. The first 2,000 years was Tayu, meaning it was like Tayu Vavayu, like it was, it was really desolation, it was nothing. That doesn't mean to see, say that there weren't human lives. Of course there were. There was Adam, there was the tenderis between Adam and Nayach, there was tenderis from Nayach to Avram. But basically, in, as far as spirituality, as far as major Ruchnius is concerned, it was sort of like, um, there, it was an abyss. It was a, a vacuum of, of Kedusha. There were people, there were great tzaddikim throughout the time. There was, you know, Adam was a big tzaddik and uh, Mesushalach, Nayach. But in terms of the, the grand scheme of the world, there wasn't really much Torah being learned in the world. 2,000 years after that, the next period was the period, the epoch of Torah. And then the final 2,000 years, which starts from the Churban Bayesheni, that is the epoch, that's the period of time of Yemaisa Mashiach. And that's the time that we're living in. The, the Tzipiel Yeshua, the eagerly anticipating of Mashiach's arrival. So we have three trimesters. There's the first trimester, which is Tayu, the middle trimester, which is Taira, and the last trimester, which is Yemaisa Mashiach, says for the moment. So when do you think that the 2,000 years of Tyra begins, if I were to guess, I would say at Har Sinai. Tyra was given at Har Sinai formally. That's the 2,000 years of Tyra. But the Gemara doesn't say that. The Gemara says 
that the Shnei Alfei Taira, the 2,000 year period of Taira, commenced at what point? This Pasuk, this very benign Pasuk that we sort of learn when we're being Mabasedra and something fuzzy about Avram being Megayer the Anashim, Sar Megayer the Anashim, that's actually the period of Taira. That's when the 2,000 years of Taira begins. So, I think that it's very clear from this Gemara that this was no ordinary Kirov endeavor. This was no Geras. This was no, uh, this was an actual yeshiva of Taira. This is where the first Mokim Taira in the world that Avram Avinu and Sarah both created separately but equally. Avram Avinu was giving Taira over to men. Sari Menu was giving Taira over to women. And this was the beginning of Taira in the world, the, the formal introduction of Lima Taira, of Tamba Taira, of Harbatsa Taira in the world, took place, and this was it. So this was, I believe, the first yeshiva, as we refer to yeshiva, a Taira took a place in the world. I'll give you another riot to my thesis. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Sadi Tassim Abeis, Kalamalamed es ben Chavera Taira, whoever teaches his friend's child Taira, Mala Olav Akasa Kilo Yaladai. The Taira considers it as if he actually gave birth to that child. So if let's say I know somebody and his friend sends uh, his child to Yeshiva and I teach him Taira, I am considered to be like I gave birth to that child. How do you know that? Where do you know that from? The nefesh that they made, it's not that they taught, this wasn't just a regular education, this was an actual leda. They were creating something. They were creating men and women that were learning and learned in Tyra. This was a yeshiva. This was not some fuzzy geiras, kirov. This was an actual makam taira. Kolamalame ben chaver. Don't say stam kolamalam ben chaver, math, science, uh, monotheism. Kolamalame ben chaver taira. This was an actual place that taira was being taught. We know that Abraham Avinu knew Tyra. Abraham Avinu, the Gemara says, Mekayim Kala Tyra Kula. Avraham Avinu knew Tyra. That doesn't mean that he necessarily, uh, you know, there was no formal Kabbalah Satyra, but whatever it means, he had a Messiah and he taught Tyra of whatever he had. The Gemara says that Avraham Avinu's Mesechus Avedazar, I think, was 400 prakim. They had a lot. Maybe they had more Tyra than we had, than we have today. And finally, there's a Gemara in Yuma Chavchesim Abeis that says that Avram Avinu was a zaken v'yashav v'yeshiva hava. He was uh, he was a tamad chacham, and he sat in yeshiva. Which yeshiva did he sit in? Which yeshiva are we talking about? I think the yeshiva of Charon. That's where he sat. That's where that's where he sat and learned. That's where he was rosh yeshiva. So we have to look at Avram Avinu a little bit differently now than we used to. Because Avram Avinu is no longer just the father of, of monotheism in the world, the father of all religions, and the father of Klal Yisrael, the Aves. Avram Avinu was really a Rosh Hashiva. 
Avram Avinu was the first real formal Rosh Hashiva that existed in the universe. And that's a very important appellation to give Avram Avinu. It wasn't, he wasn't just, uh, it's hard to sometimes when we're thinking about the Abbas and a lot of these personalities, we don't know exactly how to look at them. But Avram Avinu was not just somebody that was Isaac and Chesed and Achnesis Archem and, and teaching people how to make brachas and teaching how to, people how to, how to be Gaimel Chesed. Avram Avinu was a Rosh Hashiva. Avram Avinu was teaching Tyra and this Yeshiva Dacharan. And this was the beginning of the 2,000 years of Tyra. I have a question about this yeshiva. What happened to it? If Avram Avinu had a yeshiva, and the yeshiva had tens of thousands of students, so you'd expect that over time this yeshiva would grow, get larger, get more prosperous, and let's say when Avram Avinu went, or when Yaakov Avinu went down to Mitzrayim, Beshivim Nefesh, 70 people, that's all that was left. Uh, we, we, where were, what, what happened to everybody? Where did all these people go? All the men, all the women that Sari Mena was working on day and night, that Avram Avin was working on, that they were in this yeshiva. Something obviously happened to it. Because it didn't last. At one point it must, must have disbanded, it must have closed, because we have no trace of it. Now you might say, well, maybe all those people that, you know, that learn monotheism, maybe they became, you know, all the Umayyad that believe in one God. That's possible. But you would think that if you're having yeshiva teaching Torah, that Kal Yisrael would not just be the family of Avraham Avinu and Yitzchak and Yaakov, but that it would be much more expansive. And that by Matan Torah we'd have a lot more nations with us. All those Geirim, what happened to them? All we know about is that there was Avram. Avram had Yitzchak, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yaakov had the shift they called, and they went down to Mitzrayim, and that was Klai Yisrael. Why was Klai Yisrael, aren't these Gerim? These are Gerim that presumably became, they weren't just a, you know, a Gerit these were, these were these were real Gerim, presumably. Where did they go? What happened to this yeshiva? Is that a fair question to ask? Where, where what, this is, Avram Avinu was Rosh Shiva, where, where's the yeshiva? So I did a little research, and I found that this isn't just my question. This is a question that people have had over, over the course of time. Primarily Hasidish Svarim speak about this. I, I didn't see anything, maybe you could find it for me. I, I didn't see any other Svarim, like earlier, that speak about it, before the Hasidic movement began. I didn't really see too much even current Taira about this question. But there are Hasidish Rebbes that speak about, and they give different theses, different hypotheses about what happened to Yeshiva. Some say that Avram Avinu had his style of, of, of teaching Torah, and then when he gave over the Yeshiva to Yitzchak, because Yitzchak took over the Yeshiva afterwards, and then Yaakov took over the Yeshiva afterwards, this is what it seems like from the Gemara, from the Rambam, then they didn't like the Derech Alima that Yitzchak had. It was different. Avraham Avinu had his approach in learning. Yitzchak had a completely different approach in learning. They didn't like his approach. They thought that it wasn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't Gishmak. They all left. Now, if you're laughing, this is the Svas Emes. Svas Emes actually says this. So you have to, you know, 
be careful. Others say, a different Hasidish Rebbe, Bichil Michal of Zlodichov, I think it was, he says that, and this is a little surprising also, that Avram Avinu taught Bamitech Yira, which isn't what you would normally associate Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu is Abba, but he says, again, I'm not saying it, he's saying it, that he taught Mitech Yira, and people didn't take too much for Yira, even back then. Today we know they don't, but people are into Abba, warm, fuzzy, that's what they like. They, they didn't like it back then either, to be very strict and to be very uh, disciplined, and they didn't go for it, and they, they basically they came and they left. I'd like to suggest a possibility, and I, I have to pick, use, use a tremendous disclaimer. Okay, so please, before we proceed, you have to take this, whatever I'm saying, it might come across as being critical of Avramovina, which I do not ever want to do, and you know that I don't want to do, but Lamaisa, we find constantly that people, that, that the Mepharshim explain things sometimes in a way that's you know, somewhat critical, but not to be critical of the others. But it's that we should be able to take something from it. We should be able now, like Lumashal, the Talmudim Rabbi Akiba, you know, so all the Farshim say, be careful. These are, these are Tanayim. Don't speak about them like they're, you know, like they're, they're, they're weren't being nice to each other, like our concept of not being nice to each other. If we would be in the yeshiva of Rabbi Akiva, we would think that these were the finest human beings that ever roamed the face of the earth. But on, on a microscopic, level that isn't discernible to our naked eye, there was something wrong and we're supposed to learn from them that we should be Nayakavitzalas. Not that, you know, we're better than any these were these were Alikim. And whatever I'm saying today is Khasvichal, not in any which way a criticism of Ramavino, but it's something that if there is some shemets of MS to it, that we could learn something very important from it, and that's how we're going to proceed this morning, okay? Let's go back to our Pasuk that we started with this morning, the inventory list that Abraham Avinu took down with him to Eretz Canaan, or up with him to Eretz Canaan. Okay, so he brought Sarah, he brought Light, his nephew, that's, that's nice of him. He brought Eskal Rechushay Asher Rachash, he brought all of his money. And then, and that yeshiva, those geirim, the, 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 that whole yeshiva of Charon also came with Avram Avinu Teretz Kanan. Now, when you learn this Pasa Kipshutai, you have to scratch your head and say, is there a sense to this order in the Pasa? So, Sarah, she's along with Avram Avinu, she's his wife, Light, let's say, also as a nephew, he's part of the family. He came, that's, that's understandable. Okay. Now you have a choice between putting in the Pasuk the Yeshiva, or you have a choice between the money. Now we know from elsewhere in Chumash that you want to always put the Yeshiva before the money. For example, if you go later in the Torah to Matas Masai, B'nai God, B'nai Ruvain, they put together, they, they, when they were explaining to Meshach Rabbeinu exactly what they want to do, they want to stay here in Eva Yardin, 
and they want to have a place for their sheep to graze, and they want to have a place for their children to uh, whatever, to play ball. So Maishra Abena tells them, wait, wait a minute, you, you got it wrong. First you got to put your children, and then you put the, about the sheep. You don't put the sheep, the money, before the children. He got scolded for that. Maishra Abena scolded B'nei Gav B'nei But in this Pasuk it seems that Avram Avinu is first bringing down his money, and then he's bringing down the yeshiva. Strange. Why is he putting the money before the yeshiva? And again, on a very microscopic level, if we're allowed to play this game, which I don't know if we are, but let's play it for, for a little bit. It might be that this was what was wrong, what went wrong with the yeshiva that Avram Avinu had created. In that Avram Avinu, on some level, was putting the money before the chinuch, was putting the rechushim asherachash to the nefesh shirasu And that might be why the yeshiva did not have a kiyum. I'll give you a, a mashal in, in the form of a story, of a true story, that happened with my hero, the Panovich Rav, Rav Kahneman from Panovich. He was, we've spoken about him a thousand times, he was a person that was a huge Rav, a huge Rashiva in Lithuania before the war in the city of Panovich. He was a very, he was a Rav already at a very young age. He was known throughout the terror world already for his brilliance. And his community in Panovich, which contained a shul, yeshiva, beis Yaakov, an orphanage, a whole big, it was a very chashiva city, Panovich. It's one of the major cities in Lithuania. It was, the Nazis came in, they liquidated the entire city. Luckily, he was able to escape Teretz Yisrael. He was a Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim, and he escaped Teretz Yisrael, and he basically rolled up his sleeves, and he says, I am going to rebuild Tyra in Eretz Yisrael. And people thought he was crazy. You know, Rommel was coming into Eretz Yisrael. There were tanks on the, literally on the threshold of Eretz Yisrael. They're already, you know, coming up through the, uh, through, through, um, through, uh, through the Africa. They were, they were, they were streaming up to Eretz Yisrael, north, and, and, uh, and at that time, that's when he broke ground in that hallowed hill in B'nai Brak. And he had a famous uh, Chanukah Sabayas there that they were crying. And um, the Chazanish was there and people said, you're a dreamer. He says, yes, I am a dreamer. But unlike other dreamers, I am not asleep. And he started building Panovich. And he basically gave a shear in Panovich, but he spent a large time, a large part of his life fundraising. He had to go from country to country, went all around the world to raise money because it was a very expensive undertaking. Whenever you start building Tyra, and he didn't just have Panovich, he had Panovich in, in Bnei Brak, he had Panovich in Ashdod, he had uh, Beis Yaakov, he had an orphanage, he had a lot of things to support. It wasn't easy for him. And he, he could have been, Rav Shach said he could have been like the Rosh Hashiva in Eretz Yisrael, but he recognized that his his mission in life post the war was to build Tyra and to build Tyra you have to have money. So he went from country to country and, and he spent a lot of time in America. He was in Florida a lot. People that, you know, the Balabatim of old, 
and the Rabbanim were old, they remember the Panamit Shrub used to come from town to town. You, you know, you would, it's hard to imagine that the godless of the Panamit Shrub would actually have stepped into America, but he did. He, he lived here. I mean, he, he visited here many, many times. But part of his life, a large part of it, was he was like a fundraiser, for lack of a better word. So there are many stories, and we're going to spend a, a, a large part of the shmuz today primarily focusing on the Panamit as a model for how to build Taira and how to, how to look at money vis-a-vis Shivas. So what happened was that one day the Panamit was giving shear in the yeshiva in Panavich, which he did. Besides for his fundraising, he was also actually a rashiv. He gave a shear there. I don't know how often, but he gave a shear there. And he said, and, and in the middle of the shear, an Israeli taxi driver comes into the base medrash, comes straight, makes a beeline to the Panavich in the middle of shear, and whispers something in his ear. And all the Bachram were like were craning their ear to try to, you know, try to hear what was going on. They couldn't. And the Panavichrov thinks a second, he says, tell him to wait. Okay? The taxi driver is a little confused, he goes out. Anyway, this is the story. That the Panavichrov desperately needed funds for his yeshiva and he was out of them. He had no money. But he had to pay the vendors, and he had to pay the banks, and he had to pay all of the, you know, the kailo, all the expenses that, that it takes to run a yeshiva, he needed, and he had no money. So he went to a, a friend of his who was a lawyer, and he asked him if he has any possible connections. He says, yeah, there is a, there's actually a gavir that's, uh, that, I, that is coming to me uh, this week. He's coming from out of the country, I believe, and he's going to... Uh, you know, he, he has a big business deal that I'm working on, and, and I think he would, uh, maybe I'll, I'll send him to you, you know, and, and you could do your, give him your pitch. And So, anyway, when the taxi driver came, he said that there's this big gavir waiting in the taxi, he wants to speak to you, because he was sent by this lawyer, and uh, so Panamitra was thought for a second, and he says, tell him to wait. And that was a very big risk, because a lot of times they don't want to wait. I'm doing you the favor. I have the checkbook. You have to come to me. And you have to come to me right now because I'm a busy man. But the Panavich made the following question. He says, let's say I'm giving shear right now in front of a whole room of Bachram. And let's say I just pick up in the middle. I say, all right, guys, uh, you know, 10-minute break, recess. And I go, and they find out that I'm going out in order to do fundraising. He said... What kind of impression would that make on the Talmudim? How would they look at me? How would they look at Tyra? The, the basic message would be that Tyra is less important than money. Money trumps Tyra. Money is more important than Tyra because look, he was about to Tyra in order to go and, 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 and be Machanif, this Balabas, to get some money for the yeshiva. He says that can't happen. So I continued my shir, I gave the entire shir till the end, and then I went out, and Baruch Hashem, he was still there waiting in the car. Just as a piece to the story, this Balabas ended up giving a large amount of money to Panovich, but he says, I'll give you even more money, but my father was nifter a couple of years ago, and I want to have a nice zikaran for him, I want to have a nice memory for him, so I want to like blow up a picture of him, 
And I want to put it in the base Madrash. I want to put a big picture of my father in the base Madrash. And if you do that, I'll give you like a ton of extra money. So of course, you can't put a picture of a guy in a base Madrash. So the Panavitrov was very bright. He was a brilliant, he was brilliant. So he said, he says, listen, what do you want a picture of your father in the base Madrash for? He says, who is in the base Madrash? A bunch of like, Poor Yeshiva Bacharim, they're sitting learning ancient Talmudic texts all day. They're not going to have an appreciation for who your father really was. He says, I want this picture of your father to hang in my office. The, my office in Panovich, because that's where, you know, Chaver Knesset's come all the time, and uh, very wealthy Gevirim like yourself, and very important personalities, and they're going to come and I'm going to speak about your father to them when they come. They ask me who that man is, hang on your wall. I'm, that's where, and the Kachava, he kept that picture of that Gevir's father in his office his entire uh, career in Panovich. But what we take from this story is that it's very important that when you're teaching Torah, when you have a yeshiva, that it has to be very clear that even though, obviously, money is very important, you need money to run yeshiva, and money is Kedosh uh, Kadashim in that regard, but it doesn't come before Taira. Taira is the most important thing, and that has to be taught to the Talmidim. Talmidim have to know that Taira is the most important thing. Money is something that you need to run the yeshiva, but Taira is what the world exists upon. And that's the entirety of the yeshiva is Taira. It's not Taira and money, it's not money and Taira, it's Taira. Money is what it takes to, you know, it's the, it's the gas that you put into the tank in order to make the yeshiva run in this world. But you wouldn't say, you know, if a person has like a beautiful car, you wouldn't say, well, the, you know, the car is you know, 87, unleaded. That's not what you, you know, it's not a, you don't say, the gas is not the car, the car is the car. You have a beautiful Bentley, that's the Bentley is that. What you put in to make it run, that's not the car. That's what you need to make it run, but don't confuse the car and gasoline. The yeshiva is the yeshiva, the yeshiva is beautiful, the yeshiva is tairas, kedushas, halacha, it's, 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 it's pilpul, it's, it's lambdas, it's, it's benad l'chaveh, benad and musr, whatever taira is in the yeshiva, that's what it is. You don't put money in front of yeshiva. You don't stop a shear in order to go to a balabayas and, 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 and give him your pitch, even though it's very important, but that's not what yeshiva is all about. Perhaps the Torah was saying to us that the problem with this yeshiva of Haran was that as Karuchushash was before Ves and Nefesh Because there was this this importance that was given to the Rechosh before the Nefesh, that's what created a certain bad environment in the yeshiva that didn't perpetuate itself. Now, I want to just bring a raya to something that I'm saying, and you can argue with it, but I think that there might be some emmas. Who is like the number one Talmud in this yeshiva? Light. Light was not just a, a nephew. Light was actually, uh, he was a Talmud. He was a Talmud of Aramadinu. Brought down in Sarm. He was like, uh, Light was not a Pashtun person. Light was, uh, used to be, before he moved to Sadaim, he was a Chashur. Now, he moved to Sadaim. 
he made a decision at one point to leave the yeshiva of Aram Avinu and to go to Sadaim. Why did he go to Sadaim? Because the, the Pasuk says, because it's Gan Hashem, he was basically going after the, the Gashmias of Sadaim. Whose fault was that? It might be that because there was some over-importance, over-stress put on the money of running the yeshiva, that might have been a bad signal to light. And he basically took from the yeshiva that there's something to money. Money is, is, a, is in and of itself something kashav. And because of that, he was sort of drawn to go to, uh, to Sadaim. In fact, when light was taken captive... The Pasuk says something very strange. In Perak Yudalit, Pasuk Yudbez, by Yikhu es light, they took the chap light, the Esrechushe and his money, Ben Achi Avram. He was the nephew of Avram. It's first of all strange. We, it should have said by Yikach light, Ben Achi Avram. But it says by Yikach es light, Vesrechushe and his money, Ben Achi Avram. Something is strange. Like, the Rechush is sort of sandwiched between the word light and the fact that light was a nephew of Avraham Avinu. Now, again, like maybe I just have too much of Sahara to say what I'm saying, but it might be that what the Pasuk is saying is that some of the blame was put on the, at, at, at the feet of Avraham Avinu. He was the nephew of Avraham, and that Rechush, that... Avraham Avinu put before the nefesh sort of rubbed off, again, very microscopically. But it rubbed off on light, and because of that, light was lahot after the money, and that created a different change in the trajectory of light's life, and perhaps that happened with all the Talmidim, to the degree that they all eventually just gave up the yeshiva to go and, and pursue other endeavors, because... Tyre was not given the primacy, the full primacy that it should have had. Now, Avram Avinu knew the same shmuz that I'm giving. Avinu Kalatarkul, he definitely heard the shmuz. He was here. So, and I'm definitely no smarter than Avram Avinu. So, what was Avram Avinu's cheshpin? Mamaisa, what, you think Avram Avinu really was into the money? Chalilo B'chas could say that Avram Avinu was, you know, putting money first and he was giving a hakdama, a kadima to money over Tyre. Chalilo B'chas Afrilapuma. So what was his cheshven? Perhaps his cheshven was a very yekish cheshven. What was the yekish cheshven? What was the... The cheshven was, listen, I'm running yeshiva. In order to run a yeshiva, I need money in the bank. Yeah, of course Tyra is more important than, 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 than money. Avram Avinu knew that. He doesn't need me to tell him that. Tyra is Tyra. Tyra is the world. Avram Avinu knew that quite clearly. When it says that he put the rechush before the yeshiva, it doesn't mean that he was uh, putting money on a higher pedestal than Tyra. Chas But what he did feel was that if I'm going to run a yeshiva, I need money in the bank. I need money like... Like, in, in the bank account, now I could actually make the payments that I need. So when uh, the different vendors come to me, when the, you know, I have electricity bills to pay, and I have the rabbeim to pay, and I have the, uh, you know, the, the custodial staff to pay, and I have the food staff to pay, and I have the, I have the actual food and the chal bisrael milk, and all, all the things that I need, 
I have money to pay. I have money that when I write a check, it's actually going to be in the account and it's not going to bounce. Isn't that a normal way to run a yeshiva? Isn't that a normal way to run an institution? You have to have money. And then I have nefesh I have to have money in order to have nefesh That's a normal way to run a yeshiva, right? Wrong. Who teaches us that it's wrong to run a yeshiva that way? The Panamishurav. Here's a story that happened with the Panamishurav, and it didn't happen just once, it happened a thousand times. This story took place, and it was re- reported, recorded by Rabbi Yaakov Golinsky. Rabbi Yaakov Golinsky was a Magid. I heard him speak once in my life. He was... Uh, he was very funny. He was from Navardik. So Navardikers are normally very serious. He was like a very funny person. He had a great sense of humor. The whole crowd was like, like in his hands. He was so, he was such a great speaker and he had such chain and he had such a, a sense of humor that people were like chalishing from hearing him speak. So when I was in Florida this summer on vacation, I was stabbing in a shul and uh, there was a set of sarum, beautiful, Ten volume set of svarim with different color uh, bindings. It looks very attractive on the shelf, and it was called the Gadita. And it was basically the Torah of Yaakov Galinsky. Uh, the five Chumashit Chumashit Torah is five of them, and then there's the Amtayim and Amateach, and the other five two slipcase box sets. And I fell in love with the Saber. I didn't come home like from the from davening for like an hour every day after my wife thought like I was lost or something, but. I, I was just so, like, I love the Torah. Like, just Gishmaka Torah. That's why one of the, on the Tuesday night this year at Vad, we're learning this Sefer of Rabbi Akhavalinsky. So, in this Sefer of Yigadita, he brings down, this is in Parashas Vayigash, he brings down a story that happened. He was close to the Chazanish, he was close to, to the Stipler, he was close to, to the Panavich So This is the story that he says. He says, one day the Panovich Arab called me into his office and he says to the Panovich, and he asks, he says, Yankov said to Yankov Galinsky, he says, who is the Shevet, who is the tribe in Klai Yisrael who are Maktish themselves to Tyra? When you think of Tyra, you know, you have a choice of 12 Shvatim. Who is the Shevet or the Shvatim that were that represent to us Tyra. So Yaakov Lindsay right away says what we would say, Shevet Levi and Shevet Yisachar. Shevet Levi was the Shevet of Yerim Mishmetachel Yaakov. Yisachar was uh, also the Yisachar Hamar Garim. He was uh, like Amelus Batayra, Yegiyah Batayra, Yisachar. Those are the two Shvatim. He says, okay, very good, Yaakov. Now, but explain to me something else then. How come when Yaakov goes down to Mitzrayim, to Gaishen to establish his community, the Pasuk says that Yehuda Yehuda was the one that was sent before him, and Rashi, of course, famously says that he was sent there in order to establish a yeshiva in Gaishen. He was, it seems, the Rosh Yeshiva of Gaishen, right? He says, yeah. He says, so why did he send Yehuda? Why didn't he send Levi or send Yisachar, wouldn't those be the obvious choices if you have a choice of 12 shvatim to send or, or 11, send, send Yisachar away. What are you sending Yehuda for? So Yad Galinsky was very sharp. So he said, he says, 
It's a Gemara. He says, the Gemara says that we don't find a Talmud Chacham who paskins Shailas only from Levi and Yisachar. Levi and Yisachar, they were the Paiskin. They paskin Shailas. So the Gemara says, maybe Yehuda. Yehuda also should be a Paiskin. Yehuda Mechaikik. Yehuda was also very strong in Tyra. So the Gemara says, no, Yehuda was not a Paisik. Yehuda was Lepilpo Ba'alma. He was good with Pilpul. He was a Lamdin. He was able to mefalpel to, to have the peppery Talmudic, uh, you know, shiurim. But he wasn't a Paisik. That's what Gemara says. So Yaakov Linsky says to the Shirav, ah, that must be the Pshat. He says, Levin and Yisaf, they were Paisik. You don't, Paisik aren't Rosh Hashibas. You don't have a Paisik against Rosh Hashibas. Very rare. You have, sometimes you have Paisik, like Rosh Hashibas was a Paisik. He also happened to be the, the, the Rosh of of, uh, of Kaltaira. But that's very rare. Normally you have a Paisik. Rebel Yashiv is a Paisik. Uh, um, uh, you know, Rebosner is a Paisik. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Rameshah is another example of Paisik who was Rashiva. But very often the Paiskim are Paiskim. They sit in a, you know, Ravad Yosef was a Paisik. He wasn't necessarily had Yashivas, but it wasn't a, a formal Rashishiva. A Paisik is a Paisik. A Rashiva is somebody that doesn't necessarily know how to pass in a Shiloh, you know, like Ramesha Feinstein could, or, or like Ravad Yosef could, but he knows how to give a shear. He could open up a sugya and he could, you know, find how to, how to make a, a beautiful binyan and a beautiful makudas amachlekes and a, a brisket taira on, on, on a sugya. That's what it takes to be Rashiva. That's Yehuda. Yehuda was Rashiva because he was the one that was mefalpo in taira. But Levi and Yisachar, you don't send them down. No one would go to such a yeshiva that's just, uh, you know, that has uh, just, you know, learning halacha, shmaitz, and leave That's not so popular. You want a yeshiva that knows how to be mafab, that was Yehuda. That was what Rabbi Akhilinsky said back very wisely, very sharply to the Panavichirov. So, the Panavichirov says, Rabbi Yankov, I'm surprised at you because you forgot a Rambam. Now, Rabbi Yaakov, he says that, he says, Eze Teichavah, there's such a patch. The Panevich told me that I forgot a Rambam. He says, like, that was like the biggest patch I could get. Like, from the Panevich he says, how, like, how could you forget a Rambam? He says, which Rambam did I forget? So he says that the Gemara in Yuma that I said before, says that Avraham Avinu was a Zaki in Shiva. Yitzchak Avinu was Zakin Yashub Yeshiva. Yaakov was Zakin Yashub Yeshiva. And it brings Raya's to all these Psukim. And then it says that um, there was Yeshiva in Mitzrayim also. Mimeim Shalaviseinu, like Paski Yeshiva Mehem, Hayib Mitzrayim Yeshiva Imam. There was a Yeshiva in Mitzrayim. That was probably the Yeshiva of Gaishan. Now, if you look in the Rambam, in Ilchazavayde Zara, Parak Aleph, Alacha Gimel, it says that Avraham Avinu made yeshiva, and then he gave over the yeshiva to Yitzchak, and then it gave over to Yaakov, and then the Hivdo Levi umino Rosh vayshiva biyeshiva lamidarech Hashem. He made Levi the Rosh Yeshiva. So you forgot you a very cute shot that you had that, you, that Yehuda was sent down because he was mafapul. He was going to be the Rosh but he wasn't. He wasn't the Rosh He was just sent down to start the yeshiva, but he was actually, he wasn't going to sit in the, in the Rosh seat. That was Levi. Levi was going to be the one to sit in the Rosh seat. So we're back to the drawing board. Why was Yehuda, if Yehuda wasn't the one that represents 
you know, Tyra that was leaving Yisachar, why was Yehuda the one to be sent down to Gaishan when he wasn't even going to be Rosh Shiva? Zaktapanamitcharav, something amazing. He says, you know why Yehuda was the one that was going to be the founder of this Yeshiva and Gaishan? Because when Yaakov Avino was told by his sons with this whole thing with Yosef, before Yosef revealed himself, Yosef wanted Binyamin to come down to Mitzrayim, and Yaakov Avinu said, no, 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 I can't send him down. If I send him down, I'm going to die. I love him too much. I can't part with him. I'm probably never going to see him again. Like, I'm not seeing a lot of my sons. They're disappearing one after another. I don't want to send Binyamin down. I can't. I don't know, it's a rob that you're going to send him down. And it's Mitzrayim, obviously, the, the powers to be in, in Egypt are not so nice. They're, they don't like us so much. He's going to get swallowed up with the other, with, with, with the other, Yosef and Enev, Shimon and Enev, Yosef's not here anymore, Shimon was chap, and now I can't part with Binyam. If I part with Binyam, if he doesn't come back, I'm dead. Yehuda gets up. Of all the brothers, Yehuda stands up and tells his father the following. Anoichi Ervena, I will be the Ariv. I will take full responsibility for Binyamin. Miyadi Tivakshen, and you can ask him back from me. I am the guarantor that I will bring him back. If I don't return Binyamin to you, I will be a sinner before you my entire life. Binyamin was not necessarily going to come back. It was, I would say that the odds were that he would never come back based on the political climate and what was going on with all of the machinations of Yisrael. There was a very good chance that he wasn't going to come back. It was impossible for Yehuda to guarantee this. How can Yehuda guarantee this? He's going down to Mitzrayim, he's going to the lion's den. Para, Yisrael, they don't seem to be big fans of, of these people coming into Mitzrayim, these Jews. And... You're going to guarantee something that's 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 mamish impossible to guarantee. You're going to. I'm an arev. I'm a cosigner. I'm going to cosign the loan. I'm going to guarantee that this will be paid. Impossible to do. Impossible to be an arev in such a situation. Zaktapanimicharov. And this is a Huaya Aimer Bar, this is what he lived. So he could say this Bar. In order to be a founder of a yeshiva, in order to be a Rosh Yeshiva, in order to be an executive director, in order to be somebody that's Achroi for Yeshiva, you have to be able to take Achrayas, which is beyond normal human expectation. If you're starting a store, if you're starting a, uh, a business, if you're starting a, you know, anything else in the world, it has to work with a certain order. Nobody's going to give you a loan if you want to, let's say, uh, buy a house. Okay, you're going to go to a bank. Uh, okay, how much money do you make, uh, do you make a year? I, I don't really make so much money. I, I'm embarrassed to say. Uh, do you have any, uh, anyone to co-sign the mortgage? No. Um, okay, uh, uh, do you have any Yerusha coming your way? No. There's no bank in the world that will give you a mortgage. No, it, it doesn't happen that way. Why? 
Because if you're going to have a house, you're going to start buying a house, you're going to start buying a business, you're going to buy a car, whatever it is, you have to have money in the bank, you have to have a down payment, and you have to have the means to support the loan. And if you don't, then it's not going to fly. You're, you're not even going to start a business unless you, you have some ability to repay the loans that you're going to undertake. When it comes to Tyra, says the Panamitra, it's different. You need somebody to start a yeshiva. You need to have the ability to undertake loans that you don't even understand how they're going to be paid. You don't need to have the rechush before the nefesh when it comes to Tyra. You don't need to have everything you know, crystal clear. You have the debits, you have the credits, you have accounts payable, account receivable. That's the way other businesses work. When it comes to building Tyra, you have to say, Anoichi Aravana. I will go beyond any expectation of financial, it doesn't make sense financially for somebody to undertake to borrow you know, from, from one person, to pay off another person, to constantly be juggling finances here and there, asking a balabas for this money to cover that loan and, and for this money to cover that loan. That's what they do. That's how yeshivas work. If you speak to anybody in a, in a normal yeshiva, this is not a normal yeshiva. I don't mean that as an insult. This is not a regular, uh, this is not, a, because it runs differently. It's not a classic yeshiva, because, you know, there's Turo, and then there's government funding, and there's this and that. I'm talking about a regular, you know, a regular yeshiva. If there is such a thing anymore today, I don't even know if there is. But but if, let's say, I was starting a base medrash today. I'm starting, let's say, tomorrow. Okay, guys, we're going to start a base medrash, and, uh, you know, down the block, Okay, and I, I'm just how how do I how do I get it off the ground? Well, I have to make money. I have to have money to pay for the yeshiva. I have to hire a bayim. I have to hire a staff. I have to hire a, you know. I have to buy svarim. I have to buy food. I have to buy. I have to pay electricity bill. Put in phones, computers. It takes a lot of money. Okay, so how do I do it? Okay, I go to I go to this guy. Can I please borrow uh, you know hundred thousand dollars? Sure. Okay, when are you going to pay it back? I'm going to pay it back in three months from now. I go three months from now, he comes to me, I go to somebody else, can I borrow $100,000? Sure. When are you going to pay back? And, and this is how it goes. I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is how it goes. This is how every yeshiva is run. You need to have very broad shoulders to do that. Because if you need everything yekish perfect, like, I don't do that that way. That's not, I, don't, I need to know that I have a set amount of money coming in every like, clockwork. It's not going to run. You can't start a yeshiva that way. You can't be an executive there. You can't have a. You, you can't be a fundraiser. You can't. You can't manage a, a, a yeshiva because that's not the way it works with yeshiva. With yeshiva, you have to be an arev. You have to say, "I'm going to co-sign. I'm going to guarantee. I'm going to make everything possible, and I'm going to do it." I will co-sign. Yehuda was able to say that. Yehuda was the one that Yaakov knew he could be able to go down to Gaishan and establish Yeshua because in order to start Yeshua, you have to have the ability to say, I will be a co-signer. I will, I will co-sign loans that I don't even know how they're going to get paid. You didn't know how he was going to get Binyamin back up to Yaakov. You know? He didn't make that cheshman though. He just jumped into it and he did it. Just think, maybe that's why Nachshman Aminadav from Mati Yehuda, he also had that ability. You jump in first, head first, you don't make any cheshpaines, and you think about it afterwards. But that's what it takes to start a yeshiva. It's not v'sherachosh and then once you have a nice pile of money, now I can already start writing out checks, clearly, no, no, no. And then that's not the way it works. 
When it comes to Torah, you build the, you start the yeshiva, that's never shows the Bukharan. Where's the money coming from? I don't know. We'll worry about that later. The Rechosh Asherachat, that comes after He says that the Nesiva Shalom, the Slanim Rebbe, whose Sefer is like super popular today, the Nesiva Shalom is like, you know, a crazy bestseller, so he once came to the Panevichirov. He was trying to start a yeshiva also, like to, to build up the yeshiva. He's going to like, you know, try to buy a building or buy a property to build a building. So the son of Rebbe, the Sushom, came to the Panevichirov for an eighth and he said to him, he says, Rebbe, is it mutter for me to take like huge loans out of the bank, from banks, in order to build the yeshiva? I have no way of repaying. Is it okay? So... The Panavitrov looks at him and says that I learned by the Chavetz Chaim and, um, and I know that the Chavetz Chaim, if you would ask him that question, he would say no. He said that it's a mitzvah of it's it's begeder chavetz ha'ishtablas, and whatever, it's, uh, that you can't, uh, you can't do it. So Svanam Rebbe says, so I don't want to do it then. If the, if the Chavetz Chaim says that you, know, you can't take out such big loans, then I don't want to do it. So in this world, I'm going to have tremendous, you know, diagnosis every day. I'm not going to have sleep. I'm going to have sleepless nights, wondering how I'm going to pay the bills. And the next world, I'm going to get Gehenim for it. I, what, what do I need this for? I'm not going to get this. For, I'm not going to get this. He says, Lama, Lama Zanayshi, what do I need this for? So Panavichra famously said to him, yeah, you, you might get Gehenim, but it's going to be the most Geshmaka Gehenim. Because you got Gehenim for Tyra, for building Tyra. So he says... Says Gishmak, and the Malchus that you're going to get is going to be very Gishmak. Anyway, so Ryakulinsky said, I have the chutzpah, so I asked the Panavichirov if, tr- if that's the case, so how, if the Chavetz Chaim would have said that you can't do this, so how did Yehuda do it? How is Yehuda able to be in? And Ryakul says, and what, what I was really asking is, how is the Panavichirov? Anyone asked him directly, so I asked him through Yehuda, but how, how is the Panavichirov? How are you able to do this? If the Chavetz Chaim would say you're not allowed to take such crazy loans in order to... So what, how are you doing it? So he says like this. He says... He says... He laughs and he says... He says, first today you forgot a Rambam. That was one thing. But you forgot a Gemara... He says, now I was really, really busyanistic. It was like, you know, not only around the Gemara, which Gemara did I forget now? So he said that there's a Gemara in Iran in the Durham. It's on Dafnun Amin Aleph. And it says like this. Once upon a time, the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva needed money, I guess for the yeshiva or to survive or whatever it was. But they, they were learning Torah. They needed money. Like very often we need money. And they went to a certain very wealthy woman, a matronisa, the Gemara always calls like a matron, like a very chash of a woman. She has money. And they asked her for a loan. So she says, I don't believe that you'll be able to repay the loan. What, what are you, how are you going to borrow $100,000 from me? How, do you have any way of bringing it in? Like you're learning all day. You're, there's no sorts of angle. You're tutoring a little bit. Like, well, what, how are you going to pay back the loan? So, so they said, so Rabbi Kiva steps in and he says, listen, 
He says, who do you want to be an Arev? Tell me who your Arev want, who, who, who would you trust as being a co-signer on the loan? So she says, Misha Amr Ailam, Ayamagadol. The Rabbinishram, the Creator, with a capital C, and the Yamagadol, the, the sea, the oceans. That's what she says, and then he says, fine, done. When the time to repay the loan came, Rabbi Akiva was supposed to be the one to repay it on behalf of his Talmidim, but he was sick. He took ill, and he wasn't able to come and pay back the loan. Probably didn't have the money anyway, but he didn't, he didn't come to her. So she was waiting, and she saw that, you know, it was the right day, the right time, no one came. So now she's going to go to the Ariv. So she goes to the Svasayam, she goes to the beach, and she says, Rabbi Nishraelam, today Rabbi Akiva took ill, Rabbi Akiva Abducha, your servant, and he made you an Ariv to me. So you're, I'm asking you for the money back. He said, it's okay to make you the Ariv, you're the Ariv, and I'm expecting the money back. Just as a side, I have a cousin in, in, in Europe who's a very, very chash of a yid. And he had a, he had a Yerusha. He had, he made a, he, he actually like a, 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 quite a lot of money. But not, you know, not a, not billions, but like, you know, nice amount of money. And somebody needed money and, and needed to borrow money and he agreed to be a co-signer on the loan. It was for a million dollars. And, um, and he was a co-signer. Normally, you know, you, you co-sign, you don't think it's actually gonna happen that you're gonna have to pay the money. You just like wanna help the guy out. Anyway, the guy, the, the Leiva defaulted on the loan. He wasn't able to pay it. So the, the Malva came to my cousin and asked him for the loan. And, you know, it's, it's very, you know, I, I don't think I would be able to physically write out a check for a million dollars just because I'm an Arab. You know, you find the shtick to get away, to get out of it. But he actually sat down, he wrote out a check for a million dollars as an Arab. It's an amazing story. I mean, you know, it must be impossible to do that, but he did it. When you're an Arab, you got to do that. You have to step up to the plate, and you're the cosign. You have to take the plate. You have to take that rise. So, um, so the Abishta was the Arab. So that day, what happened was the daughter of the Caesar, Bas Kesar, she was on a boat, and she started going nuts. She went in. She had temporary insanity on that boat, and she had a chest with a lot of money in it, like a treasure chest with silver, gold, diamonds, rubies, and she went crazy. She just threw that whole uh, treasure chest over the side of the boat. And pumped at that moment when this Matranisa was standing by the beach, all of a sudden this treasure chest floats up to the shoreline. She opens it up, and there was like much more than she had borrowed from Rabbi Akiva, like she had lent Rabbi Akiva, um, that was in that thing. So the Rabbi and the Yamagadol, they were the Arev. And then when Rabbi Akiva, he didn't know about this, so he came a couple of days later to repay the loan. He said, I'm sorry, I was sick, I, I just got out of the hospital, and, and you know, I'm here to pay back. And she laughed, and she says, you know, the Arev took care of it, and not only did he take care of it, he took care of much more, and she gave Rabbi Akiva all the extra money in that treasure chest that wasn't over and above the original loan. She gave that to Rabbi Akiva to continue being the finest yeshiva. The Panamit said, if you think going to open up a yeshiva that you are the one that's the Arev, 
It ain't going to work. It's not going to fly. It's not Shayef. That's where the Chavetz Chaim would tell you, don't do it. You can't take out a loan that you can't repay. Not fair. Not fair to the bank. It's not fair to the, the Malvet. It's not, what, what are you doing that for? How, if you can't repay a loan, how do you take out a loan to begin with? But if you believe with every bone in your body that I'm not the Arev in Yeshiva, maybe when a, a mortgage, a car loan, or whatever, then I'm the Arev, but if it's a, if it's for Taira, I'm, you think I'm the Arev? I'm not the one that's taking responsibility. It's the Rabbi Yishlam. It's his Yeshiva. The Rabbi Yishlam is the Arev. That's, like, that's what we learned from the Gemara Nadarim. If you see that Rabbi Akiva was able to rely on on the Rabbeinu Shalom being the Arif. That's, the, that's the, the prototype of how to run a yeshiva. I could take out a loan for a million dollars from a bank without any understanding of how to do it if the Rabbeinu Shalom himself is the Arif. He's the one that's on the hook and he has all the money in the world. It's very fair. And it could work. And this is exactly how the Panamitcharov used to operate. The Panovich Rav would borrow, once upon a time he borrowed a lot of money from a bank, and then the bank couldn't, uh, he couldn't repay the bank, so he borrowed from a bigger bank, and then he gets a letter in the mail, if you don't repay the loan, you know, we're, you're going to jail. It's like a debtor's prison there, it's all the time, we're, we're sending you to jail, you didn't know what to do. He owed a very, very large amount of money to the bank, and he was in jeopardy of like financial collapse and worse. So, he was like, like very confused about what to do, thinking about it. And just at that moment, when he started getting a little nervous, there was a knock on the door of the Panamitcharov's office. A yid came, and he said the following. He says, I'm a shamus in a, uh, in a nearby community. I'm a little simple beetle in, in the shul nearby. And I, have a, and I have a son who went to America. He served in World War I. He got killed in the war. And now I got a check from the U.S. Army for like a certain amount of money because when you lose a child, that's what they do. Because I'm afraid to cash the check myself. I'm afraid to, to take that money myself because if, if the shul that I work for finds out that I came into this money, they might like reduce my salary or they might let me go. Or I don't want to have that. I want, I'm very happy and comfortable with my job. So I'm asking you to hold on to the money for me. I'm going to someday come back and ask you for it back but take it for the time being. You can use it as you, as you wish. He looks at this money, the amount of money. It was pumped the exact amount of money to the lira, to the shekel, that, that he owed the bank. This is the way the Panavitcharov worked. Everything was borrowing from one person, paying another person, and the Rebbeinu was the Ariv. The Rebbeinu was the Ariv. Anyway, that's not the end of that story. Then, what happened was that Everything was going well, and then it was Yantif, Cholomayed, he was sitting on Yantif in his house, in front of a shrub, and there was a knock on the door, it was the Shamus from the nearby, I, I need my money back now. He says, I, I can't, you know, the Rebbe Shrub is thinking, how am I going to get him his money? All the stores are closed, all the businesses are closed, I can't go to my, you know, my Balabat, and they're all away for Yantif, I, I, I don't know what to do. So he says, the first thing he did was, he says, come, let's sit down and, and, and have a suda together. So he takes them to the dining room and they have some, some meat and some wine and some chal and some kogel and they're you know, schmoozing and having a nice time and basically and the Panavitcher had no idea what he was going to do here. And then he says, all right, it's time to bench. The Panavitcher used to always bench with tremendous kavanah, like every word, mila b'mila, with tremendous kavanah. 
And he had a special kavana when he says, when he said at the end of benching, that never allow me to be missing anything, not an iota from your tov, I mean, meaning pay me, give me what I need. He had tremendous kavana when he was saying those words. And just then the mailman came and a check came from some random source and he opens it up and it was the exact amount that he owed this guy, the shamus, was this. This is the way, this is a mycenesim that the Panamitrov lifted. This is, and this is not just the Panamitrov, this is something that happens in every issue. You speak to any executive director or any president, anyone that's a chroi for a yeshiva, for a besiako, for a kailo, for a yeshiva katana, for a, anything. This is the way it is. They'll all tell you the same stories, that I didn't know where the money was coming from, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, you know, somebody just told me not so long ago, there's a girl's school, uh, like a Beis Yaakov in New York, and the executive was telling me, he says, I, I, literally, I was in debt for like $50,000 I owed, I had no idea where it was coming from, and then what happened was there was some, I don't know, they had, a, they had two post offices that they had, two, two uh, post boxes, you know, like in, mail, in, in, in post offices, you can rent like a mailbox, and they had two of them, and for some reason, over the course of time, they forgot about the fact that they had another mailbox in a different post office, some weird story, and anyway, they just, they got a notification that you have mail, you have to pick it up. And punk, they go to the mailbox, and there was a whole bunch of, of checks in the mail from different sources, $50,000 in total. The Rebbeinu in Ari for Tyro. The Rebbeinu wants the issue of that, and he's the Arab. He has Liyah Kesev, Liyah Zalman Masha. There's no shortage of money from the Rebbeinu perspective. If you're going to build Tyra, this is how you have to do it. You have to be able to say, I'll, 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 I'll take it on my shoulders. It's not on your shoulders, though. It's on the Rebbeinu shoulders, but, you know, it's it's... It's still, you're expected to pay it back in, in a physical way, but the Rabbanisham has your back. The Rabbanisham is going to really take care of you in, a, in, in, in the real way. And I think that that, just going back to Ramavino, as the Zer Ampin, like in a microscopic level, the Rechosh Gadol came before the Nefesh Shasabachar and the Yeshiva. And because of that, the Yeshiva disbanded. The, the Talmidim weren't getting all that they could have because they saw that there was some some importance that was being put on, on, on money over Tyra. Avraham Avinu's cheshpin was a good cheshpin. You need money in order to fund Tyra. But the reality is that you don't. The reality is that you have Tyra and Tyra and Tyra. And the money, that comes later. You have an idea, you have a dream, you want to build, you want to start a shira, a yeshiva, a kail, a besak, or whatever, you, you, you sit down, and you say, this is what we want to do, this is what needs to be done, this is what the Rebbein Shalom will get nachas from. Okay, where's the money? I don't know. I'm sorry, how are you doing? You need, you need money. We're going to start and it's going to work out. But the priority has to be on the Taira, on the Taira, on the Taira, on the Nefesh Rasul And after that, we'll worry about the Rechush HaSharachash. To build the Yeshiva based on Rechush that's not Taira. That's, that's, that's sending the wrong impression. That, that's giving the Talmidim the wrong impression. Just to make it a little bit more practical for us, I know it's very, very, very late, but to make it a little practical, not everybody here is going to be a Rashiva. Not everybody here is going to be an executive director. But in Mitzvah Hashem, we will all be parents. 
And parents, it's something very important also. This shmuz is Nagaya to every parent. Who do I learn this from? The Panavichirov. The Panavichirov was a Kayin. And as a Kayin, he was asked very often to be the Kayin by a pigeon Ben. You have a child, you're Bukhar, under certain circumstances, he's 30, uh, after 30 days, you have to redeem him from the Kayin. They asked the Panavichirov to be the Kayin. Now, in the Nusuch of what happens by Pigeon Aben, for those of you that were there and that actually paid attention to the process, the Kayin asks a very strange question to the father. My boy is to say, what do you prefer? Do you want your child over here? Or do you want five pieces of silver? And the father dutifully answers in a formula, I would like my son, and here, take the five pieces of silver, etc. Et the Panavichirov was asked to speak a lot. He was a, an amazing orator, and he was asked to speak a lot by the Pijna Ben Suda. So he says, listen, what, what type of question is this? My boss says, is there any father in the world that would say, you know what, let me think about that, I'll get back to you. Obviously, the answer is, I want my son. What's the question? So the Panavichirov used to say like this, he says, of course the answer is, you want your son. But the deeper question that the Kayin is asking the father, now you're a father, Mazel Tov, you're just entering the world of fatherhood, of parenthood. You're going to have to make choices throughout your life between whether you want to run after the mighty dollar or you want to spend time with your child. Am I going to burn the midnight oil in the office to make to get a raise, to get a promotion, to get the corner office, to go to the rat race of, of making a zillion dollars? At what cost? Your child is home. He wants to do parsha sheets with you. He wants to learn Mishnahs with you. He has a test tomorrow. He has a thing he wants to learn. You have to make choices in life. Obviously, you have to make a parnasa. But how much parnasa do you need? Are you putting your money before your chine, the chinuch hayiladim or not? My boy's fay is a question, not just now, it's a question for life. What are your priorities? Is it the child or is it the money? Is it the rechush or is it the nefesh? Which are you going to put first? And the answer must be, as the father answers, I want my child. I want to make sure to give my child the love, the attention, the, the, the chinuch, that only time can accomplish, and I'm willing to not make as much money in order to do so. This, says the Panavichirov, is the lesson of the Pijna Ben, that a parent also has to put the nefesh before, don't put the ruchish before the nefesh. You have to get the priorities very straight, whether you're a shishiva, whether you're executive director, you're a president, you're somebody, or you're a simple parent. You also have a little yeshiva. You're also, it's a, nef- it's a physical nefesh You're making a, a nefeshus. You're creating a child. You're, you're building a life. You're building a world. You're not being mlamed ben chaveir You're being mlamed your own son taira. How are you going to do it? Are you going to put all the emphasis, I, I need to make money and, and, and my kid comes second? Or is the message that I'm, my child takes priority and then the money? This is a very, very important insight that we take from this parasha. And if I, in any which way, was had to take Avram Avinu's covet away, I, I ask him, I don't mean to do that at all. 
But perhaps the message that the Torah is saying in a very, very delicate, able way is that we should never, ever put nefashis after the rechush. Rechush is very important. Don't take, don't take this the wrong way. You have to make money and it's important. Yeshivas have to have money. You have to have money. You have to have money. You have to have children. Everything is important, but you have to know how to prioritize. You have to know how the Rebbein Shem will take care of you. Just like Yeshiva takes care of, will take care of you financially if you're being mechanech, your child. Chinuch is one of those things, Talmuthar is one of the things that are not in the cheshman of what you make on Rosh Hashanah, what the Rebbein Shalom earmarks for you on Rosh Hashanah, Talmud is not one of those things. It's one of the things that you could say, Rebbein Shalom, be an Ari for me. Help me. I, I want to be Mechanech, my son, but I need, I need you to help. Be me. He'll be it. He'll be an Ari. He'll always be an Ari. But you have to believe that he's the Ari. When you're building Tyre, when you're building Chinuch, the Rebbein Shalom is the Ari. You're doing it for the Rebbein Shalom, and he's the one that's the co-signer of this tremendous loan. We have to take the initiative have broad shoulders, jump in like Nachshemen on another, be a Yehuda that's able to say, I will do it. I will build yeshivas, I will build kailim, I will build my family. But the Rabbi Nishayim is really the actual Ari. Have a good Shabbos.